Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there, and welcome to another edition of the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman, a late Friday night edition. Kevin Zimmerman, fresh off of a dinner for his lovely mother's birthday. I am fresh off of uh, being with those hooligans, Sam, Mike, and David, on a live uh, podcast watch-along kind of thing for the game. That was a lot of fun, and uh, boy, was it a fun game tonight, Kev. Holy smokes. Yeah, I think the play-in game's a good idea, man, based on what we've had this week. There, like, was there, there was what, one clunker to start, maybe? Charlotte. Charlotte is the only reason the play-in is maybe a bad idea right now, because they've just proven, like, if you get a team in that game that actually doesn't care about getting the playoffs, which it, it's clear that they don't, because Indiana boat raced them, and then they got boat raced again this time. Uh, but man, if you get two teams that really want to fight for it all, it's they've been, which is most of these games, they've been pretty awesome. Uh, so if you are just listening to us, we'll kind of recap a bit. 105-101 Pelicans. Uh, the Pelicans, I don't know how much they went up by Kevin in the first half, but 16 or so points. Brandon Ingram was something like 7 of 8, 8 of 9, and then the Clippers offense like barely put together 22 points in the first quarter. I, I was talking to the guys during the stream, and I was like, I, I thought my biggest key to the game was Reggie Jackson. Uh, Paul George comes down with COVID to, uh, yesterday. He's out for today's game, so that's a lot of Reggie Jackson. He started off two for nine, uh, but then he went on and like had a really strong game overall. There was a point in the third quarter where the Clippers started the second half small, Kev, and Batum and what the Clippers were doing defensively to Ingram just really got to him. I thought Batum was sensational. I thought Rocco was really, really good in that third quarter. And it got to the point, Kevin, is putting Tony Snell in the game in the third quarter a good idea? Probably not when he's not playing for you, which is what Willie Green did. We can debate if it's a good idea or not, but the bottom line is, Kevin, that means that you are desperate as a head coach and you are really, really searching for something. And that, to me, told me the game was over. I thought they were toast. When you call on Tony Snell in that kind of situation for four minutes just to try and get something different out of the game, you, tr- you they tried to get it. But the thing about the Clippers that we talked about for the past two weeks, Kevin, they are not an offensive juggernaut. Even with Paul George, they are not going to really blow you out unless they're hitting a ton of threes. They shot 9 of 36 from three in this game. So they, it was not going to come down to that. And the Pelicans were going to have a little window and then all of a sudden, Larry Nance is making plays. Ingram's hitting shots again. We've got Trey Murphy hitting a bunch of huge threes. And then little by little, the, Cl- the Pelicans just kind of stormed back in that fourth quarter, outscore the Clippers 31-17 to after being outscored 38-18 to in the third quarter. Larry Nance Jr., Kev, oh, yeah. he'll be a factor in this series. 14 points, 16 rebounds, seven of them on the offensive glass, four assists, a steal and a block in 24 minutes. That was Willie's answer. He started with Jackson Hayes and Jonas Valanciunas again in the second half. And then at two minutes in, he did the correct thing, didn't wait too long, went right to Larry Nance at the five. And then I believe he put either Najee Marshall or Alvarado or Murphy in the game as well for Hayes. And it paid off. Man, what a game, first of all. Just awesome game. Yeah, then back and forth with this awesome. I think the Larry Nance 
move how you described it is like a perfect sign that Willie Green is gonna throw some stuff at the Suns. And like, if you think about approaching a play-in game, that's obviously different, but he had something up his sleeve, right? He he did the obvious thing. And I think my only tweet the whole game was like, mobile big man against the Clippers. Uh-oh. And that's just, you know, they have so many wings or you have Zubots. And so you force both of those matchups to be a problem with Larry Nance. Um, so I, I just liked that he did those different things. Even the Snell thing, like, obviously looked terrible when Marcus Morris was like, I'm just going to go one-on-one against this guy. But to me, that says Willie Green just had, like, I don't know if we want to pull Belichick game plans, but just, like, he knew the right move and the right trigger to pull when he really needed to juice his team that, like, it, it looked like the Clippers had just flipped their switch to play great defense, and they did in that third quarter, and then it just, like, went out the em- window. Emptied their gas tank. It emptied yeah. their gas tank. They just they just yeah. ran out of steam. Reggie Jackson played 46 minutes. Marcus Morris, 43. 37 for Terrence Mann, 33 for Batum, 35 for Rocco. Um, they were down Kennard as well, and I think that if they would have had Kennard, maybe he only plays 12 minutes or whatever, but they would have really had that benefit of a little bit of extra gas somewhere Norman Powell had a really weird game. He was missing layups, and then he was making all his layups, and he was missing his layups. He took 16 shots, and I swear that all 12 of them that were two-pointers were at the rim, and he he shot whatever that is, so that would be like 5 of 12 at the rim. Um, that was a weird game. Brandon Ingram was awesome to start, then he was fine. CJ McCollum did not have a good game, but something that I was talking about on the stream was when they were down – 12, 14, Kevin, those are the moments where stars step up and it's like, okay, it's branding or my stars, CJ McCollum, a star. It's like, well, whoever steps up in this moment to like kind of get them back in the game. And both of them did. It took a while. It took a while till the fourth quarter, but both of them did. Uh, Herb Jones rules, Kevin. Yeah. He, he, he's the best. Uh, incredibly fun player to watch defensively. It's going to be, I cannot wait. That's probably in terms of my favorite thing to watch in the series. It's going to be Herb Jones on book book pretty much handled him with ease in the second matchup. I thought uh, or the fourth matchup that they had, sorry, in the last game um, I'm, I'm we're talking now as I was about an hour into writing already, I've got like three previews for the series uh, that I'll have coming up all, all day Saturday. So probably by the time you're hearing this, all three of them will be up if you're listening at some point uh, Sunday, but uh, do you want to get into the series, Kevin? Do you have, did you have anything else kind of on this game? Uh, Marcus Morrison, Reggie Jackson, both played well as, just a very Clippers game, I thought. Yeah, and it matters that Paul George wasn't there for the Ingram thing. Like, that first quarter where he did most of his damage, um, I think, I don't know if Paul George would have been the, like, assignment to start with, but he he would at least would give you another, like, pretty darn good athlete to stop that dude. And we talk about, like strong starts in games for a reason. And I think that was a good example of like a guy kind of like Booker last year who like gets off to a strong playoff start. And yeah, he didn't have the cleanest last three quarters, but he still finished 14 to 21 for 36, six. So yeah. Okay. Uh, Let's talk about a series. Shall we, Uh, for those of you that are new to the podcast, you were with us for last playoff series. We are going to be planning on podcasting after every game. We're pretty much going to make that happen. And most of the time it is going to be 
not after the buzzer, but once Kevin and I are both done writing, I, I think we're both going to be attending the home games for now from, from what we have planned thus far. I will be in New Orleans. Very excited for that. And we'll be pod, I'll be podcasting from my hotel room or, or the arena or whatever works. So for those of you looking for the content coming in the next couple of weeks, months, however long this goes on, that is what we're going to be uh, getting into. So we're not going to really go nuts and bolts 45 minutes here because we're going to be breaking down this series game by game as it goes. But obviously, Kevin, the big storyline here is Willie Green, Monty's lead assistant for his first two years in Phoenix. He now is the head coach of New Orleans. There was an awesome moment in the game where in that moment when the Clippers were up 10, 12, whatever it was, Willie gave a really impassioned speech to his bench uh, in, in the huddle. And that was kind of when the Pelicans went on a run. Looked pretty good on his end in terms of the motivational tools that he had at his disposal, Kev. Good timing on that part. Uh, and the biggest question to me in the unknown variable of this series, Kevin, which is where are we talking about if, uh, gosh, if Jay Triano was coaching this team, Kevin, or <laughs> if um, Kenny Atkinson was coaching the Pelicans, I would say a sweep and an easy sweep at that. But this Willie Green thing, is he going to turn this into a tough five games? Is he going to turn it into a tough six games? Like, I, I really do believe that his knowledge of what the Suns do and then also just how he already – he is – you remember when Vogel threw out that crap in game one of the Lakers series and the defense were like, well, that's not going to work, Frank. I don't know why you tried that. And Book just dissected it. Green's not going to do that. Um, and he showed in these four meetings how he was defending these guys. I haven't gone through the tape yet on how he defended Chris. But in terms of Book, it was just a lot of, again, meeting at the level of the screen. The big was there. And in the third game – uh, the one in Phoenix that the Suns lost without Chris Paul. The Suns shot 30%. They were 13 of 40 from three. So they took 43s, but they only shot 30%. And then Book had only five assists and four turnovers. And the five assists, what that usually means is, A, we were miss- uh, the Suns were missing threes. But then, B, it also means that he was forced off of the action of someone else. Mikel Bridges actually led the team in assists for that game with six. Um, but then that fourth meeting, Kevin, they did the same stuff and the, and the, and the sun shot 53% from three and book was just gliding through him and Payne combined for 16 assists and only four turnovers. So I think that is just one example of what Willie is going to do in this series. He is not going to play drop coverage that much, Kevin. I don't think we're going to see it. Uh, and it's a matter of how the sun's dissected. And then also if Willie has, he's going to have more tricks up his sleeve. It's just a matter of, uh, if they can get to the Suns enough offensively, because would you agree, Kevin, that like New Orleans's defense challenging, uh, presenting problems to the Suns' offense is like the where we could see something here in terms of yeah. in terms of uh, trouble, perhaps in making this more difficult than it should be. Yeah, and I think the interesting part is the matchups to this, right? Because like I don't think their starting lineup's going to match up great with the Suns as they've been doing it with two bigs, like the Suns in theory should be able to shoot them out of that. And then from there, it's like, okay, how do you force the Pelicans into maybe playing Larry Nance uh, as the center and seeing like, if he's forced to like actually play against JaVale and do that kind of thing where he becomes like a guy who you target in some ways. Um, Or if it's like, let's play really small and, maybe get Tony Snell, like Najee Marshall, like those kind of guys, or can you like target Alvarado and just say when he's on the court, we're just going to like ISO him against Chris or, you know, whatever. So I just think 
there are little matchups where the Suns are going to be able to dictate which players are on the court. And honestly, like, I don't know. It's really interesting because there's other ways that the Pelicans can do that against the Suns, but I don't think they're good enough where it's like Monty's going to deviate from playing his regular rotations. Interestingly enough, Kevin, I looked and Nance has played uh, of his top lineup combinations in terms of uh, pairs that he has played with. So Nance and someone else for the Pelicans this year, he had arrived at the trade deadline. Of course, the sixth most common partner for him was Willie Hernan Gomez in a lineup where they would go big. And then right below that balance, Shunas and Nance. So I, I agree with you. I think that Nance might be someone who even as a four, you just look at defensively. All I see in my head, Kevin, when I think about Sunday is Chris Paul picking on Jackson Hayes for 48 minutes. That's just all I see in my head right now happening probably. Uh, And then Jay just running around a lot of motion like he typically did when we saw them picking on Anthony Davis in the first round last year, things like that. So I wonder how much Willie is going to tweak, but then on the other side of it, how much of a benefit that they can get from Jackson A's being in the team. Because if you're not familiar, New Orleans changed their, their starting lineup about 20 games ago. They've been running um, Hayes, it's, Hayes and Valanciunas together at times, but they fully committed to that as their starting lineup of CJ, uh, Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones, Hayes and Valanciunas. Uh, one of those preview pieces is going to be about this size in general and not just Hayes, Hernan Gomez, Nance, and Valanciunas, but also Herb Jones and Brandon Ingram are fairly big wings. One of them is technically a guard in that lineup, and then CJ for a point guard is is pretty big. So they've got size all over the place, and it's going to be interesting to see how they choose to deploy it and then how the Suns can handle it. They have been, I believe the numbers I looked at, Kevin, in the regular season since that date when Hayes start, uh, began starting, Kevin, they're second in offensive rebounding percentage. Uh, and we know that that has been a slight issue for the Suns. I wrote about that uh, earlier this week in terms of weaknesses that popped up for them in the playoff run. Uh, so I, I think the size that New Orleans has and what Willie can throw in are the two biggest wrinkles here. Um, do you buy into anything from a matchup perspective on the perimeter? I just think that Book is probably – we were talking about this on the on the live feed, the, the go-around. David and I were talking about it. He – suggested and I agreed with him it's probably going to be Booker on CJ to start because you want bridges on Ingram I think that's the way to go about it right do you throw Crowder on Ingram to start I think that that's probably too many ball screen actions for Jay to deal with I don't know it'll be interesting I'm not sure yet I was just looking at it it's to me where you put Chris especially in that starting lineup and I would assume you put him on Jones yeah hide him on Herb yeah I, I honestly don't know but the thing that sticks out to me then is Book's going to have to guard Ingram or McCollum, which is like we talk about he's a good defender and underrated defender, but that that's energy expended. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I'm trying to think of any other way to do it. You could throw Ingram. It would be Crowder on Ingram or McCollum and then putting Book on Hayes. But I think, again, Crowder is the body you want on Hayes. It might be worse for Book on Hayes, yeah. True, I think yeah. Book has to be on a perimeter, dude. Um, yeah, that that's another issue there. Not not a big issue, but it's, it's using your best player to play against one of the best perimeter guys on the other team. I, I think the, the big thing here is that Shout out to David Griffin for the job that he's done this year, just obviously getting that CJ trade done and, and 
trying to clean up what was starting to get really trying to clean up some of the mess. It wasn't even starting to get messy. It had already been messy there, but Kevin, this goes from a team that was not even close to deep at all. And then when you look at this starting five and then off the bench, you've got Nance, you've got Najee Marshall, you've got Alvarado and you've got Trey Murphy. And then I didn't even mention Devontae Graham, Kevin, who played four minutes in the Clippers game tonight. They legitimately run nine and 10 deep. And that's because they take Herb Jones in the second round. They take um, Trey Murphy in the, in the mid first round. And then they find Alvarado as an undrafted guy who was a two-way guy who they converted. They have three rookies who are legitimately good. I've, Alvarado didn't really make an impact tonight, Kevin. He was awesome in the game against San Antonio. Trey Murphy was nails in both games and Herb Jones was nails in both games. That's the, the biggest and most obvious thing to me is how those guys plus guys like Jackson Hayes and others sort of, and, and I guess even Kevin, you can, you can put CJ in here because this is CJ's first go leading a team in the playoffs. He's been there with Portland a lot, but that was Dame's team. Now this is his team. Um, and then Ingram files in there as well from an experience standpoint, how much of a bigger edge do the Suns get? And that's where I pivot back Kevin from what we're talking about. New Orleans, the size probably uh, presenting issues in different ways. And then what Willie is going to throw in tactically, that'll change up in terms of knowing what's coming and the adjustments to the adjustments. I just think from an experience standpoint, New Orleans doesn't really have enough to make it this, to make it interesting. Do you agree? Yeah. If you look at, I mean, their bench is just not enough. Like I like Najee Marshall. I like Alvarado. Um, Trey Murphy can shoot the crap out of the ball, but I, I guess I don't know enough about whether he's, gonna be like that impactful on it when you're facing like a good defense like the Suns. Um but tonight he was good, so I guess I, I could be wrong there. But yeah they're gonna they're gonna stagger too. I think that's something I keep reminding myself, Kevin, is that they haven't staggered Ball and Booker all year. So it's like these bench lineups and stuff. Like that's where Chris comes back in and just starts roasting whoever, you know. Or you know, if Monty just throws five minutes at point book and gets Alvarado just out of there and just <laughs> Willie yeah. has to Wrap whatever plans he had about his like there's little things like that that I'm curious about too it's yeah it, it's a series where things don't the the uh, Bucks series to me and the Clippers series the Clippers series we each had to see with DeAndre and like when they went small like how was it going to look we just didn't know we had a good idea but we didn't know uh, Denver was pretty by the books. LA was pretty by the books in terms of matchups, who was going to do what defenses were going to look like. The Bucks series was like that too. I think this one is more of like, we got to wait and see how it looks. And I think it's going to look really good for the Suns, obviously. Uh, and uh, another reason for that is one of the preview pieces, Kevin is also just going to be on how much better the Suns are offensively this year compared to last year at this point. And that's specifically talking about how DeAndre has this hook shot and, and the short rolls. There's two new parts of his offensive game that really impact consistently in a supporting role, which I think is incredibly hard to do is find new ways to become more versatile as a support player offensively. Like he pretty much is. Uh, it's kind of unfair to phrase it like that because he is a main piece of their offense because of the gravity that he takes in. But with that in mind, like the short rolls, especially in, in some of the clips that I was seeing were there. And then the hook shot and Valanciunas is trapping Booker. And then he's making his way back to eight. And then by then eight 12 feet away, he takes one dribble hook shot, bang, it's over. Um, and then Mikel. Uh, so if they're throwing, if they're throwing Ingram on the weak side or wherever he's going, if, if we assume Jones is going to be on, on Booker 
and then McCollum is going to take McCollum's probably going to take Paul, I would assume. And then you put Ingram on Bridges. It's like, okay, putting Ingram in that spot to rotate, how much can Bridges make him pay when Ingram is making the aggressive rotations that he's going to make? Because again, I do not think that Willie Green is going to just allow the three-man uh, tandem of Booker, Paul, and Aiden to beat them in just a traditional sense. And it's going to come down to the other two guys and, and other people from there. And I think Mikel is in a really good position with how aggressive he's been offensively this year, the way that he's seeking out the ball, as Monty put it. I think that's going to be a real advantage for them in this series and every series going forward. It's just a different team offensively. I don't even know, like, would you say they're better offensively because of this, Kevin? I don't even know if I would phrase it that way, but they're just more well-rounded, I think, is the better way to say it. Yeah, I think Willie's going to try to stop Paul and Booker. That seems really obvious. But he's going to be good at it, and so I think that does mean and, – and you mentioned Mikel's that one assist, the high assist game for him. Like, he's going to make weak side catches, pump fake, take a dribble or two, and make a decision. And then I think it's going to be like, yeah, Jay Crowder's going to have to hit some threes, and if he has a really terrible night, they might lose that game. Um, Cam Johnson's going to have to find a rhythm. Um I think that's the the wings are the big keys for me there. When you think about just, I'm I'm going to give Willie Green a little benefit of the doubt and say he's going to get Booker and Paul not to have a whole straight series of great games. What we've not talked about yet, Kevin, and what we should address before we go: Landry Shamit left foot injury. This is all we know. What I can provide my two cents on Kevin is. He was not with his shooting group after practice yesterday. And typically when we, we, we get in after practice is over, we get into and see the court. Uh, he was not with his shooting group yesterday. Notice that uh, Chris Paul and Denbucker weren't either. It was a scrimmage day though. So it was one of those days where you're like, okay, like they're just getting work done right away because they scrimmaged and that, that can get intense and more um, grind on the body for sure. Uh, but then Shamit wasn't with his group again today. And that's when we were told by the sun shortly after that he left practice, Monty phrased it as he didn't practice at all. So I'm not exactly sure when, what happened, obviously details are going to come tomorrow's injury report is going to come out on Saturday at some point. Uh, and the interesting thing, Kevin is, does he just shrink his rotation to eight guys right away? Or does he stick, um, or sorry, does he shrink his rotation to nine guys right away? Like we expect, cause we're, we're expecting, we were talking about Craig and Shamit on the outside. We know McGee, Payne, and Johnson are all going to play. The question was Craig and Shamit. We thought yes on both of those guys. Do you think he still goes to two-part question? Do you think he will go to Payton or Holiday, and, and do you think he should? Uh, I could see him just moving campaign around. If and, and that's another thing. If he's healthy enough, we assume, and he said he's good. Um. I could see campaign just playing a lot, I guess, and Booker and, and eating up those minutes and maybe he's off the ball a little bit with Chris Paul. Um, but this is a team where that's kind of wonky just because, again, the size that they bring. So I don't know. I, I guess we find out uh, whether Holiday or Peyton is he- ahead of one or the other. Like that might come in game one. I have a feeling, especially with McCollum and Ingram in this series, that we're gonna we're gonna see Alfred. We're going yeah. to see Mr. Payton. Uh, Willie's gonna stagger his guys, just like uh, Monty is going to stagger his. 
And that's, and, that's going to be the, the shooting thing I talked about. Like if Payton's on the floor as the bigger point guard who defends wings, that's one guy who can't shoot threes. And who was the mastermind of the Suns defense the last two years who is going to be ready for them to extremely help off Alfred Payton and force him to do everything when he's on the court offensively? That would be Mr. Willie Green. He'll be ready for that. So uh, I'm not sure if you can do it. I think we'll see Alfred, but I think you just got to go to nine and play Craig and Johnson and Payne. I think you're right on the money. I think it's just more of Payne playing with, uh, with Paul probably. Those Paul Payne CP3, CP15 minutes we got to see at the end of last year. We've seen him a little bit more in the last month. Uh, I think we could see more of them coming up. And uh, campaign, I'll just say, like, or sorry, Cam Johnson, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him on Ingram more than, like, most people would think, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's, like, kind of decent. Like, that's that's the interesting part where if it's like, oh, if he can defend that dude because he has the size, where, like, Mikel, I've always talked about he's been good this year, but Mikel struggles sometimes against, like, really long wings, like, campaign's bigger versus i keep saying campaign i'm tired Cam Johnson. I'm it's 11 30 at night buddy it's the end of the week it's okay it's it's more than okay you got i would not be shocked if there are multiple games uh not only in the series but in this playoff run where cam johnson plays more minutes than jay crowder uh, we didn't really yeah. cam didn't really get that far last year was his first postseason jay's out there with all his seasoned uh playoff savvy but now, now it's different, obviously. It's it's different with Cam Johnson being battle-tested and how much better he is this year compared to last year. I think we could definitely see it offensively as well, um, where Jay's streaky shooting, they are going to... What Willie Green is going to want is Jay Crowder taking seven and a half threes a game in this series. That's what he is going to want, uh, for sure. Um, anything else that you want to hit on that, that, that you find intriguing in this series? Uh, to me, I just... Um, we didn't hit on Jonas versus DA. That, that's kind of interesting. Jonas has gotten the better of DA. I'm going to hit on that in the, in the in the size bit. I looked back on the numbers, and the interesting thing I found, Kevin, was that the three highest scoring uh, performances in that duel, like Jonas versus Aiden, all three of them are Jonas numbers-wise. Uh, just kind of backing up what we've seen, and then Jonas's rebounding numbers are pretty absurd in those games too. He's He's fared well against DA. Yeah, I mean, he's the tough rebounding guy who if DA is just one of those nights where he's not locked in can kill him. And obviously like the stepping out for three thing, um, he, uh, DA and JaVale kind of struggle against that. So I'm curious too, like this is DA needs to be very awake to be in this series. uh, I'd say, but yeah, it's, I think it'll be a good, series for the Suns to find adversity and not like with the, if we're talking like great outcome of you learn something about what you need to be locked in about because they've been off for so long. This is a good team where they're going to challenge them. I don't think they're going to threaten beating them over a seven game series. No, me neither pal. Uh, Before we go, a couple of predictions and like uh, just, Overall bullet points, looking beyond the big three for each team. So we're talking Ingram, McCollum, Valanciunas, Aiton, uh, uh, Booker, and Paul. Who's the, like an X factor that stands out to you? We hit on Nance a bit. I said on the um, 
I said during the uh, watch along that he just looked like a guy when I was watching New Orleans games. He just looked like he didn't really know what he was in New Orleans. Yeah, I was just trying to figure out where he, where he was. He coming off this really long term injury, and then in that game, it was just like that's who he is right there. Is is fourteen, sixteen, and four to me? How much um, he looks at Nance as an option defensively, not only at the four but the five as well. Uh, could be something that could really turn some games a lot more interesting. Nance is a five is even at the point, Kevin, where you wonder if like McGee would play in certain stretches if they if they go small enough like that. Um, Nance is the guy for me. Anyone stick out to you on the other side? Man, I'm looking at Jackson Hayes' numbers, and he just doesn't play enough to really freak you out. But I feel like if they're committed to playing that big – like that's another offensive rebounding problem if Crowder is like matched up with him, but not, it's hard. Like their bench, as much as I like all those guys individually, none of them are just freaking you out. I think Um, on the sun's end, I think Cam Johnson's that guy. Just, we don't know whether he's like super all the way back from the injury recovery, even though I think he said he is. So we'll see. Four or five games. What do you think? Uh, I'll go with five. I'm going to go four. Okay. Sons. The thing is, if this game gets close, we're talking about the clutch domination again. Uh, at least two of these games are probably going to be close of the four, I think, but I just don't see the execution being there for the Pelicans, their continuity, just how they know each other. There's just um, little, there's too many pockets I saw from both games of the Pelicans where they left the game open, and that's where the Suns will just kill them. It would just take a really terrible shooting night for the Suns or just an air, uncharacteristic moment. Uh, one of my favorite quotes that came out of the last couple of days, Kevin, Cam Johnson said when I asked him like what he learned the most last year compared to this year about playoff basketball, one of the things he mentioned is like just because you're up two nothing in a series, that doesn't mean you've won the series. So I yes, it's possible that they go up two nothing and in the third game against New Orleans, like they're down fifteen in the second quarter. That could happen, of course. But I don't really see it with this group, especially how much they've developed this mentality on the road. That New Orleans crowd, Kevin was electric in the San Antonio game. And that to me is a good thing for the Suns. I don't know if that makes sense because it's supposed to be a hostile environment, but I think a, they would be a, the Clippers crowd would have been less of a plus for the Suns than this one. Cause Clippers crowd, not that engaged uh, that wow. Pelicans crowd got after it though. They were, they were exciting. And the way DA put it today, he said, if you talk smack to us, we're going to smack your team. And in reference to the fans. So, uh, Mike Vigil, uh brought up some really good notes, too. Booker is played tremendous in New Orleans over his career. He's had some really great games there. That's the arena that's about an hour and a half, two hours away from Moss Point, Mississippi. That's, of course, where you would drive to to see Chris Paul from time to time. I think there's a lot more adding up. I, I talked to myself into the Pelicans sort of maybe, not, not maybe, being the sleeper pick here for the team that could give the Suns the most trouble. But the more that I've looked at it, especially in the last hour and a half, the more I'm talking myself into a four-game sweep here. Unless Zion Williamson comes back and throws down 360-degree dunks. I'm glad you mentioned that. Cassidy Hubbard had an, a report during that Pelican-Spurs game where she, she said something to the effect of that it doesn't sound like he would be back for the Sun Series even. So 
even if he was back, he would be a boost. But like, okay, welcome to Chris Paul pick and roll Zion. Here you go. <laughs> I, I just I I wouldn't be able to see it. Uh, but man, it's going to be really fun. I'm um, I think in terms of like storylines and intrigue, you could always get a boring first round matchup. That's kind of how they tend to go. Sometimes we might get the boring second round matchup, Kevin, with Utah, <laughs> with the way it's looking for Luca and Denver right now. But this first round series is going to be a lot of fun. Um, and I'm looking forward to talking about it with you, buddy. Thanks for hopping on. Yeah, for sure. I think of all teams, not just the Willie Green thing, but there, there are some interesting matchups with the Pelicans. Um, more so than even like Minnesota, even like Dallas and that kind of stuff like we talked about in the past. So I'm, I'm excited. Um, we're both going to be at the game Sunday. Is that tomorrow now? Not quite, but we're almost yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, stay tuned here, folks. Uh, you can follow both of us on Twitter, uh, the Empire of the Suns feed. I'll have updates uh, on Saturday of practice. If we get any on Landry Shamit, we'll post the injury status, things of that nature. We didn't even talk about like Chris Paul's homecoming as, as a member of New Orleans in the past, of course. That's something that will be heavily discussed over the last week plus, uh, I'm sure. Uh, but, yeah, I'm thinking four-game sweep here. Kevin. We, we just need five games for the NFL draft, right, Kev? That's what we need, five or less. Uh, yeah, the math. Carl yeah. Loftus. I'm ready. Oh, I'm God. ready. I'm ready for some Carl Loftus, Kev. <laughs> we hope you all are ready for some Carl Loftus in your life. Uh, we'll be back on Sunday, late Sunday, to break down game one. We'll see you then. Later. <laughs>